This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a Tony-nominated and Oscar-nominated actress, and one of the busiest, most versatile, and most recognized stage and screen performers of the last four decades. You know her from hit TV shows like Quantum Leap, Law & Order, Chicago Hope, Homicide, Life on the Street, (laughs) In Treatment, (laughs) Broad Street, The Wild. Broad City. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to get through the intro. (laughs) And, And of course, as Michael Scott's goofy love interest, Holly Flax on NBC's The Office. You've seen her impressive work in films like (laughs) Capote, War of the Worlds, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, The Changeling, Green Zone, Goosebumps, Birdman, Win-Win, Bridge of Spies, and Gone Baby Gone for which she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. She's also starred on the Broadway stage in well-received productions of The Sisters Rosenzweig, The Women, The Three Sisters, and she was Tony nominated for her work in Uncle Vanya. Well, she was. <laughs> and the streetcar named Desire. <laughs> In a career that, <laughs> that began at the high school of performing arts. Right here in New York City, she's gone on to work with Steven Spielberg, Sidney Lamet, Alan Harkin, Angelina Jolie, Larry David, Albert Brooks, Michael Keaton. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and Clint Eastwood, as well as the amazing, and now she's getting undressed. Let me hold on for a second. I'll I'll do the rest of the intro in a minute. Okay. <laughs> And Clint Eastwood, as well as amazing colossal podcast guests, Alan Alda, Steve Buscemi, <laughs> Steve Buscemi. That's him. Yeah, because he's a ghost. <laughs> Steve Boo says on Halloween, it's the Boo Shemmy. Uh, and Matthew Broderick. Yep. I, I fucking hated um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I wasn't I in that. I, yeah, I thought it was shit. Matthew's a nice guy, but I fucking hated that movie. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Hal Linden. His name's Lipschitz. He's a Jew. (laughs) (laughs) And Paul Feig, who says I'm I'm his favorite actor in the world and never used me in a fucking movie. (laughs) So fuck Paul Feig. (laughs) Paul, if you're out there, fuck you. Oh, and Martin Scorsese is a fan. (laughs) Fuck you too, Marty. (laughs) Anyway... Now I'm tired out from this long intro, so I, I'll have you do the last part. <laughs> please, <laughs> please welcome to the show. <laughs> An actress sounds nothing like you. No, it's good. A great range. It helped when I did it when I was younger and I could retell this one joke of yours, which was I was having dinner with my friend Charlie Manson and he said, Is it hot in here or am I crazy? But I can't read the intro to your show. I haven't practiced that. Please welcome to the show an actress of great range and talent and a woman who does one of the best. Are there any other women who do good lacrosse reading? (laughs) Who does one of the best Gilbert Gottfried impressions in the business. <laughs> the delightful Amy Ryan. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, Cicely Tyson does a Gilbert. In answer to your, in answer to your question. Amazing. <laughs> she nails it. Well, Amy. I'm living a dream here. <laughs> Are you exhausted? I'm sweating profusely <laughs> from laughing. I didn't know. I didn't know like, laughing could, be, you know, drench you. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, hello. Thanks for schlepping out on a cold night. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. <laughs> 
I think it's safe to say, Dara, don't you think it's safe to say Amy seems like she's in a state of, of, of mild shock? I just love every single second of it. <laughs> <laughs> At meeting Gilbert? Which is understandable. Yeah. He has that effect on people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell people how this uh, came about, how Amy's booking came about? Because it's rather interesting. Not that yeah. we weren't fans already, but... <laughs> I still don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> now, <laughs> I I leave it to Frank to, to and 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 I sit here and go. So Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> he is could that make it. Your stage name? <laughs> He's seen Gone Baby Gone. We were just talking about it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were watching that show. We heard about it first and then watched it of... Um, finding uh, Your Roots. Finding Your finding Roots. Your roots. Yeah. And, and, and you did, you said yeah, one of the first imitations you did was a Gilbert Gottfried. Really, it was the only one. <laughs> That's my whole repertoire. You didn't do you. other famous people. I know you impersonated family members. Family members, yeah. yeah, but yeah. You, nobody else. Just... just just my family and Gilbert. That was it. <laughs> didn't need to. Didn't need to do anything past that. So, so at no point in your life did you have a bunch of imitations <laughs> where you said, "And if your waiter was James Cagney, it might go something like this." No. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I'll put you on the spot. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> If your waiter was Gilbert Gottfried, <laughs> it might go something. something like this. Do you want the check? <laughs> or do you want dessert? It's pretty good. It it's is. damn good. We've had some people come in here and do impressions of him. That's that's okay. that's in the top three. It's okay. Yeah. I'm gonna keep working on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> For a one-woman show. O.J. Oh. <laughs> Simpson. I once ran into at a party. It sounds like a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and he he recognized me and did an imitation of me. This was when he was just known as a football player. <laughs> Not a convict. Yeah, that was the most infamous thing he did. Was maybe a commercial here and there. I never dreamed I'd have so much in common with OJ. <laughs> so you were we're gonna bring our listeners up to speed. You were on the PBS show Finding Your Roots mm -hmm. in an episode with Sigourney Weaver. And her story was fascinating too. But your your story turned dark quickly. And in within the episode, you were reminiscing about how as a kid one of the ways you you would crack your your family up or entertain your family was with a Gilbert Gottfried impression. So Dara texted me and said, "Amy Ryan does a Gilbert Gottfried impression. We must have her." And here you are, like that. That's very simple. Yes, like magic. You appeared. Oh my goodness! From PBS. Yeah, first time we've ever booked someone off PBS. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it. The story turned uh, dark as as we were talking about before we turned the mics on. With, with your family. First of all, the, yeah. your first shock was finding out that your great-great-grandfather had married his, or, or grandmother had married her first cousin. Do that, I have this right? That, that, that would be correct. Yes. So that was shock and one. Do you have shocking. an arm growing out of your back now? <laughs> Just seven <That>. toes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yes, they, that, they were married. And 
Yeah. Dis- that, Dis- they, they married. I think. I think he might have married her maybe to protect her, her uh, honor, as it were. Right, but she was already. I think and- she was already with child with okay. someone else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You say with child back in yes. the old days. Back in those days. <laughs> yeah, but then what happened? She she basically left that husband and just left him behind and came she to America. She did, and then she fell in love with my grandfather, <clears throat> my great grandfather. Who this was Jenny. This by is the Ryan, way. right? Yeah, he and. Uh, Married him and had uh, five sons and moved to America. And her <clears throat> first son still remained in England, which we never knew about him. Right. And then the second shock you got was that your great-great-grandfather, your William Ryan, mm-hmm. abandoned his family. He sure did. Right. And, they, yeah. and, that's, and that was a tragic turn. Yeah. Not to open the show they, on a downer. But. No. <laughs> they found a newspaper article where he said he had to leave the family to go look for work, like two hours north somewhere. And then there was a, this article they found where the brother-in-law said, no, he didn't leave. He was still here. He just didn't go to work. Just didn't show he up for work. just didn't go to work, yeah. Right. And the, and the, and she was... Uh, she was sent to the poorhouse because right. it was a crime to be poor. Yeah, you know, like the debtor's that prison. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and like her Dick, children... Dickensian. Yeah, her children were taken away from her, and uh, she died at 47 doing hard labor. Terribly sad. Yeah. So were you, the obvious question, were you glad you opened this vault, ultimately? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's humbling, and uh, I'll never complain yet again. Being held on set, <laughs> like where, where am I going to be? Right. When are they done with my scene? When am I? Uh, I have it really easy compared to them. You have gratitude, uh, yeah, for yeah, the people yeah. that paved the way for you to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't think about that, do we? <laughs> we don't. You'd be good on that show. We were talking about it just now. Dara was talking about before we turned the mics on. You on that finding your roots. What do you know, by the way? We, See, this has now never I'll come have up. To do an Amy Ryan imitation. <laughs> 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 Give it a shot. What do you know, Gil, about your ancestry? I'll say I started doing her when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> do you know anything? Did you do the twenty three and Me or the Ancestry.com? Dara says, Sarah's nodding, yes, you yeah, did. Yeah, I know next to nothing. But you're all Jewish, assumedly. What? No, I mean, or yeah. part Russian or yeah. German Jew yeah, or something. Yeah, I know Russian. Yeah. I always thought my father came from Poland, but it, with Ancestry, they said it was um, uh, Hungary, Austria, but then the... I the borders change so yeah yeah you'd be good on that show though yeah I I'd, I'd like to aren't you curious yeah to do that kind of digging sure yeah yeah how did you become aware of him in the first place because you re- you hung on to that one joke from his act <laughs> <laughs> which which he may still be doing by the way yes <laughs> well, the one yeah. you saw in nineteen seventy six I haven't written a new one since then. since then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. Did you see him live or like on a no, comedian special? I, 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 my guess it would be a comedian special, probably like an HBO special or something. Did you do one of those? Yes. Yeah, so I think it would have been something like that. Yeah, yeah. And you hung, and you're still doing that joke? Oh, yeah. That Manson joke? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on stage going, hey, how many of you watch Gunsmoke? <laughs> Are you a fan of other comedians, being that your your husband, Eric uh, Sloven, is a comedian yeah. and a comedy writer? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll mention him. Um, yeah, Eric, my husband. And was an funny. SNL writer. He's an SNL writer, so the comedy duo yeah. Sloven and Sloven Allen. Sloven and Allen. 
Um, I, I've learned married, being married to him, comedy is very serious business. If I can make him laugh out loud four times a year, that's like major <laughs> success. Otherwise, it's a huh, and there's a rewrite going on in his brain. But uh, yeah, he's a that's tough how customer. comedians laugh. They they cheat you ultimately because they laugh by saying that's funny. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In in. <laughs> In the middle of sex with your husband, <laughs> do you ever start screaming in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, it would sound something like this. <laughs> well, oh, only on the holidays. On the, on the high holidays. The high holidays. <laughs> So you're a local product. We'll establish from Queens. I'm from Queens. From Flushing. From a lot. We've had 300 something guests on this show, and for some reason, most of them have been New Yorkers. Lots of Brooklyn people, lots of Bronx people, a handful of Queens people. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us about going into show business because you didn't have any show business in in your there, family. No. Anywhere. Uh, no. I, your father wanted you to. He wanted me to <clears throat> come work at his trucking come work for company, him. <laughs> which I didn't really want to do. Um, yeah, no, I'm the first. I think I, it was just, I, I really liked growing up in Queens, but I also really wanted to get out of it. Me too. And I, my mother t- and father took us to the theater. Mm-hmm. And so coming to Manhattan was this quest and theater and um, maybe one day, you know, that would get me out. Yeah. So that was the drive. And high school performing arts. Yeah. Now LaGuardia. <laughs> now LaGuardia. Yeah. Did broke your through parents quickly. have any discussions like, what the hell is she doing? Yeah, they, well, my dad more, he didn't, he didn't get it, but um, I, he, it was the, the first job I got, I remember writing down a piece of paper, it was a play, a Neil Simon play, and I wrote my salary down and passed it to my parents and it was just you know equity minimum at the time stage minimum and suddenly (laughs) I was going to make more than them and they were very excited to send me off (laughs) suddenly they were no they were very supportive but it took my it did take my dad a little longer I gotta say because it's just it was very strange and new we were blue collar family you get a job and you you put a turkey on the table at Thanksgiving. And Didn't your sister say to you, your parents, that you, you were never going to let you go? Yeah. When you had to go on the road? Yeah. Was they, it Biloxi Blues? It was Biloxi yeah. Blues, yeah. yeah. And then and then that's when I... And in my family, we've used the telephone game to communicate, so my parents never told me no. My dad told my mom. My mom told my older oh, sister, that. the middle sister. Then that sister comes and announces it like a big plate of bricks right i got um, it and you do among well you're known for accents and you do a queen's accent you were explaining <laughs> the queen's I, accent I, I, well that was my yeah that was that's that's my uh that's my home native tongue <laughs> could you demonstrate my, a queen's i would say the queen's accent i had growing up is like do you want a hot dog it's everything is one word with a lot of syllables, there's there's no interesting. In, so you know, do you want to eat? Not you. What do you want to do? It's all, you know, and it's also louder, which is uh, probably <clears throat> uh, maybe that's the influence. Maybe I was louder because I was <laughs> started with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I also think there's <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's a subtext behind 
accents. Like uh, as an actor, I might ask that of other people. Like, so for example, I think the subtext in Queens is uh, "you fucking jerk" is behind everything. What time is it? I don't know. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's, like, it's an attitude behind do you, it. Do you you want to eat? I don't know. You hungry? I don't care. That is a it's a little combative, in other words. Interesting. What about the Jersey one that you did for Win Win? How did you? It, was it well, so far from the Queens one? I think, I think, I don't know if it came out Jersey. I think that was the one. It probably slid into Queens on a lazy day. Um, but uh, I, I I think, I don't know, I think it might be um, maybe not as tough, but uh, someone from Jersey might uh, uh, object to I that. I saw you interviewed. You and Giamatti were being interviewed by somebody from Jersey, and, and she said you guys pulled it off. Oh, fantastic. That, that, you, that, you, sounded, that you sounded spot on. Okay. Of course, the gone baby, gir- uh, gone accent, the yeah. Boston accent, that was the, that was the challenging yeah. one. That I sat with, uh, because we filmed it in Boston, I spent every lunch with um, all the crew guys who were local, and uh, that sound, that, that's, that's, an in, that's an incredible sound i feel i feel like you can hear like an old irish accent in it Mm -hmm. and um mixed obviously with uh an american sound but um but that was that was hard to get but uh but it was fun it was fun to to do now ben ben affleck said that with that movie he said something to you like i just want he he didn't know whether the movie would be good or bad but do you remember what he yeah, said? Yeah, he said he. It was the day before we started filming, and he said, "I don't, I don't know." He said, "I don't know if this is going to be good or bad, but I know one thing it, to be true, and that's I will get Boston right." And he and John Toll, our cinematographer, before they before we shot any of the scenes, they went out and shot a bunch of B roll footage and just got captured all these just local faces and street images and then handed the actors this dvd and he said it's your job to fit into them into this world not the other way around and he he was he was extraordinary to work with and even watching him work with a lot of the non-actors who he hired on the set he was so compassionate and really supportive because you know it it was an intimidating scene for them to be in and if they got it wrong, he kept saying, that's great, try it again. They'd get it wrong. He said, mm-hmm. that's great, try it again now this way. That's a hell of a, mo- a, de- a movie debut. I mean, it's a very good movie yeah. that holds up very well. He got you. He got Boston right in the town as mm-hmm. well in, the se- in, in his second movie. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's funny, a lot of great actors, they get, you know, when they have to do an accent, that's the one thing that's, un- you know, because it's a whole separate talent from acting. I'm not musical at all, but I think if there is any part of my brain that hears music, it's it's rhythm of speech. That's and, interesting. And, uh, and sounds that way. Um, but I, I, I couldn't, like, you know, plunk out anything on a well, piano. Well, because they or... say comedy is musical. Is the, that right? The, the rhythms of it. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like I heard that Mel Brooks... When he invites people to audition, he wants them to sing. I've heard that too. Oh, really? Yeah. And because when you look at it, you yeah. look at like, you know, the Marx Brothers were all musicians, uh, and like Jack Ed, Benny. The, what? Jack Benny. Jack Benny. Benny Youngman. Yeah. 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 Victor of, Borga. You know, lots of lots of them. All of these comedians used to sing, or write music like Chaplin. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And and may or may not have written music, Jackie Gleason, <laughs> with his. He would come out with these albums for lovers, and we had to believe that he composed the music. Yeah. Are you musical, Gilbert? I yeah. Have you heard me sing? You don't know this show, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> He I mean, sang with you... Neil Sedaka oh. on this yes. show. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Tommy James. Amazing. And other people. And do you play, do you play instruments? No. I fiddle with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't count. Tell us about meeting Neil Simon when, when, you, did, when you took... <laughs> She's going to laugh through the show. And, and, no, and I do it as much as possible. <laughs> well, you got to keep it in tune. <laughs> Quick. Uh, Neil Simon. <laughs> Who would later fire you? Who, yeah. Yes, yeah. he later fired me. I met, I met, I'm, my first audition was for Neil Simon and he hired me for Biloxi Blues and then years later I did another play of his called London Suite out in Seattle Rep. And it was a series of uh, three one acts and when they moved it to New York he condensed it to like two acts or something and so one actress played two roles so I was out. Um, but he wrote me this very beautiful letter and he, in which he said it was his fault, which I don't, <laughs> I don't possibly believe. But um, I don't keep much memorabilia, but I have that letter. <laughs> you hung on to a letter. <laughs> I hung on to a, a, that a letter. A discharge letter. Absolutely. From, from, from the Doc like, Simon. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing piece of uh, paper with his name on it. I love that. Yeah, you know, we had Marsha Mason here a couple of weeks ago. And we're 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 Neil Simon obsessives, but yeah. he even he could make a mistake. Uh, that's very nice. <laughs> so you go on the road with this thing. At what point yeah. does it become? Uh, do your parents catch on to the fact that you're you're going to be safe? You're not going to be attacked. This is a legitimate. This is this is actually a way to. It's a it's a real career. Yeah, there was um. <clears throat> they, I, they changed their tune or yeah yeah there was a there was a moment there was actually a really great turning moment. I've, I've mentioned this before. Um, where I had done a few jobs, and but my dad kind of kept saying, you know, when are you going to come work for me? When are you going to come work for me? And my mother slammed her fist down on the table, and she said, leave her alone. She's doing what she wants. And he never said another thing after that point other than great job. From my dad, but he'd come see, you know, he'd come see like Uncle Vanya. My dad had a trucking company in Queens, and he's sitting in Uncle Vanya. I love that. You know, like, poor guy. But he would be so generous, and he'd say, yeah, really moved along. Really moved along, <laughs> and that was the best. That like so they got to see you on Broadway. The, yeah, it's a that big was deal. the best. You know, uh, uh, compliment my dad could give. Like, yeah. I I remember there was a story Michael Douglas said that the first time his father Kirk Douglas, of course, saw him in a play, what he said to him afterwards was. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. Wow. I never heard that. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Of your parents, was 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 one of your parents, Gilbert, more encouraging or less encouraging? I'm assuming it was your mother that was that was more open to the idea of show business than your dad. I, I, His dad owned a hardware store, so he came from a yeah, there was I, no show business in the family either. I think both of them were kind of worried. They were. Yeah. My mother would like kind of felt like, uh, all right, this is what he's doing. I don't know what. 
But I'm, I'm sure neither one of them expected much. It was like, because, uh, you know, when the the minute I had kids, I kind of, all of a sudden a light goes on in your head of what your parents were doing all those years. <laughs> yeah. And now I think of it and think, wait, going into show business is, is fucking insane. It, it It still is. There's not like a... A set that I'm not on that there's a moment of thinking, why did everybody get up at five in the morning and come here and invest millions of dollars? Yeah, sometimes three in the morning. Sometimes three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's it like all cra- it's at crazy. least one time every night when I'm doing, when I'm on stage, I'll go, uh, what the fuck am I doing right now? This is really crazy. Do you ever just leave? The what? Have you ever just walked off? He'd like to. I would love to. I had a show canceled. There was a mix-up with the club. A show canceled one of my shows, and I I, I was so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you went on anyway. You just showed yeah, up. Yeah, not me. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> do you still like perform? Do you still perform late at night? Like the, my husband talks about that. Like people ask him, "Do you miss performing?" And he said, "Sort of, but the idea of being like getting ready to go on at midnight or something, he can't imagine that." Can no. do you think of that? Yeah, that that's something where um, I when when I'm booked, like doing a weekend where I'll have like five or six shows, I will after I'll do like the first show. In my mind, it's like a prisoner marking off the days <laughs> on the wall. I feel like, okay, that's one out of You're the way. a rock yeah. and scratch them out on a cave wall. <laughs> yeah, but you still, there there have to be satisfying moments on stage still. Yeah, like when it's coming toward the end. <laughs> when they give me the light, I'm always satisfied. You're a, you're a puzzle because when you were young, you couldn't wait to be up there and you had an addiction to it. Yes. And But but over time, instead of growing more comfortable, you've grown less comfortable. Yes. Why over the that? decades. I get Mysterious. Uh, more and more uncomfortable as as I go on. Do you have stage fright? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes, well, right before I go on, I'll think, I can't do this. And um, it's kind of like, you know, when you're uh, by the water and you dip your toe in, you go, oh, no, this is too cold. I can't go in there. And then when you're in there, you're you're fine. Yeah. But, yeah, that that, uh, happens to me. What about when you're doing a play every single night of the week, as you do in a long run? Are they are they pretty much that they pretty much all become the same after a while, or are there nights where you're just suddenly standing up there, and you either freeze or you think, "What the hell am I doing?" I uh, sometimes I have these <laughs> these kind of weird thoughts back when I'm backstage waiting for my cue to enter. I start to daydream about like, well, what would happen if I went out earlier? <laughs> what would they do? What would I say? What's the big deal if I did it? You know, it's just these kind of rebellious thoughts, which it's I, a- and I've never done that. But I, my instinct is to sabotage the whole thing. How interesting. But, uh, and then in a longer run, I'm kind of amazed that your brain can be thinking about, or lines can come out and your body knows where to go in the blocking 
but your brain can be thinking about what you'll eat afterwards. He does that too. Did, like a, yes. a double <laughs> conversation. That in the middle of a set. I that is amazing to yeah. me because it happens to me all the time. I'll be doing a bit and I'll be screaming, yelling, <laughs> running around the yeah. stage and in my mind I'm going like uh I wonder if I packed those brown socks. That's right. Yeah. I, and I don't know, like, the part of the brain that compartmentalizes or what we've learned by rote, maybe, but we still think as performers we're in it and it's fresh, but maybe it is only rote, memory rote. You Interesting. Know? And, but, and these other thoughts are coming through, but um, it's, it's, it's a weird wonder. And then the minute someone else in the audience disrupts that, then you're off. It's like someone came over and just tipped you off balance, and you're like, oh. Where, oh, I don't know if I know the next line. I think I saw you in Streetcar with Natasha Richardson yeah, yeah. and John C. Riley, yes. and you were Stella. Stella, yeah. Yes, I think I saw that. Was that the uh, Studio 54? Yes. I saw that production. Yeah, yeah. That was a good production. Oh, thanks. Do, yes. do you remember any lines from Uncle Vanya? <laughs> <laughs> like you would recognize them. <laughs> yeah. She could give I you a line from F Troop. <laughs> okay. He might know that, though. Because He'll call if, me out. No, that's if F-troop. you remember... Any line at all from Uncle Vanya, yeah. I want you to do it as Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> well, the classic, I mean, the end of the play when they've lost everything. Sonia <laughs> tries to, you know, console Uncle Vanya by saying, We will rest, Uncle Vanya! We will rest! <laughs> <laughs> Surreal. <laughs> and that's exactly how I performed wow. it. Wow. That's exactly how I <laughs> See there's a there's a chance for you to sabotage Uncle Vanya. <laughs> Suddenly do the last line as Gilbert. <laughs> Let's talk oh about God. something we all know about and love, Sydney Lumet. Oh, I love Sydney Lumet. Who <clears throat> came into your life or into your career at an, kind of an early point. Yes. He saw me in Uncle Vanya. There you go. <laughs> True story. And he Good said, segue. That's a great Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Gilbert was unavailable for this TV show I'm working on. You might Did do. Did they announce it uh, in place of Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> and we, tonight's and he, performance. Actually, our stage manager was also a Gilbert impersonator. Um, <laughs> Gilbert can't perform. Is that true? <laughs> that would have been great if it was. <laughs> He saw you in Vanya. How many are there of us out there? <laughs> There's a few. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Sydney saw me in Uncle Vanya, and um, and uh, he was working on a TV show at the time called 100 Center Street. I remember it with uh, Alan Arkin. Yeah. And um, so he invited me to do a role in that, which I did. And then the next season, he invited me to come back and do another role. And I said, "Well, aren't you concerned that people will?" know me from the other one he said no you'll figure it out oh and that i mean he loves actors so much he did and he really thought you could do anything and that's the first time i've ever experienced that and so i then i worked with him again on before the devil knows your dad so uh he was he was very parental to me he was very inspiring and um really really uh gave me a huge break well he was an actor so par- yeah. i guess part of why he loved actors and wasn't his father an I, actor yeah. was his father oh, baruch, yes. baruch, he baruch, baruch, baruch lament, baruch lament. Yeah. Yeah. he was five he, years old yes, when he, he appears right. in the pawnbroker mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's and Sydney's like, in Dead End. Yeah. As a little kid with with a bogey, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Baruch appears in the pawnbroker as as the this old man who's dying. Yeah, and he was. So was that his last film before the Devil Knows You yeah, Did? That's yes, his last. That's yes. a swan song. And I remember there was some. You know, it was an independent budget, and there was some talk that because Sydney at the time was eighty three. I think when we shot this film and there was trouble getting insurance for him and afraid the, uh, there was something about the budget and he came in under budget and under schedule and he was just he worked so fast and he was so prepared and he demanded all the actors be as prepared and as you know like we would rehearse it like a play for a month and oh, treat Williams was here telling us about Prince of the City and yeah, same thing yeah, that's how we like to work yeah down at the Ukrainian Center, like on Second Avenue, this big room there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I heard he's he wasn't one of those actors where you did one scene for a week. He was like one right after the other. Oh yeah, if you did two takes, that was that was a lot. Usually it was one take and move on. And and um, he yeah he said he said none of you are none of you are that interesting that that we should stay here doing five takes. We should all go home to our families. Oh, that's humbling. <laughs> He's like, so get it done fast. I want to go. So you, one of the characters you played on 100 Center Street was Arkin's daughter. Mm-hmm. But he didn't think that anybody would make the connection that you, you were. That's no, because you know I, I played uh, played um, a sex worker in a, in a pink I wig. <laughs> I, I really fooled them. I put on a pink wig. <laughs> well, tell us. We'll talk more about Sydney. But tell us one thing about the great Alan Arkin, who, oh my we, God. who we adore and oh we t- God, we talk he's about. amazing. He said. He, I remember one time he said, "You know, in in acting, we all we want to do is be be honest and natural, and everybody kind of mumbles and they're you know, whisper." He said, "But in reality, he's like life is so big. You'll be at a restaurant with your friends saying like, yeah, I can't believe I walked in on my wife and she left me. Oh yeah, can I have the tuna on the side and da-da-da? you know, and and you break it and he, he's like, we have to, it has to be bigger. Life is is so big." So you can afford to be really big in acting. Don't be humble and mumbly and whispery. And you're in your what? Your twenties now. This is a young. This is right now. No, yeah. no. When you did 100 Center Street. Yeah. And here's uh, Alan Arkin and Sidney Lumet. Yeah. I mean, my God. And then I worked with Adam Arkin, who directed my Chicago Hope, which got a nice shout out in the. You, uh, you bet. So, yes. Um, We're thorough. We're completists. Yeah. No, I feel very fortunate to um, have worked with these legends, and and I wish I asked more on a set of these people of uh, and i i was always just too shy i was afraid i was going to put my foot in my mouth so i'd wait for them to drop gems oh. um i did the same with alan alda on bridge of spies I so many questions i wanted to ask him and i didn't but he told stories so <laughs> he's we've had him here That's good. a great storyteller yeah, yeah so um so anyway but i i regret not having and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead was one of those films that, in the first minute, it had me. Yeah. You know, some of those movies, oh, some movies you watch and you go, okay, when is this going to... Well, he what? plays with time. Yeah. 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 And yeah. originally the script was two friends that um, uh, do this bank, you know, this uh, jewelry store robbery. And uh, Sidney um, rewrote or rewrote it to be brothers and he thought that would just be far more devastating um you know to watch that 
that bond break apart. It's a Shakespearean tragedy, yeah. that movie. Yeah. But it, you, Gilbert's right. I mean, it hooks you from the... It's also one of the few heist movies that has the heist in the first five minutes. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't build to the heist. Right. It gives you the heist, and then and then you see everything unravel. Yeah. Then the aftermath. It's really it brilliant. It grabs you right away and doesn't let go, which is like a perfect film. Yeah. And, and also, you worked with a great actor. Oh, there. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, yeah. of course. And you work with him several times. Yeah. Um, Phil and I, we knew each other from New York, um, just kind of theater scene, and we did we did an off-Broadway play together, and then um, before The Devil Knows You're Dead, and, um, and then his directorial debut, uh, Jacko's Boating. Um, a very sweet love story. Oh, yeah. Yes. So sweet. Very sweet film. Yeah. I miss that man. Yeah, what a what a, I mean, a short career in a way, but what a body of work oh that he gosh, was able to no like amass yeah. in a short time. Yeah, I'll never forget that. You know, the <laughs> before I knew Phil, but uh, Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. just that gesture of him trying to put that shirt that too, his shirt was too small, and he was just trying to like cover his belly with it. So oh, because he's attracted he's like, to Dirk. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, <laughs> I was like, who is that? Yeah, yeah. He's you, amazing. You didn't have any scenes with him, but did you spend any time with Mr. Finney? On the uh... no, oh. no, okay. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. By by the way, Jack goes boating, which you 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 now you'll you'll see a second Amy movie in addition to Gone Baby Gone. Yes. you should see it with her and and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's wonderful. It's a sweet love story. I guess about two misfits, two people afraid of intimacy. Yeah, it's two people in their 40s. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When we would do, we were promoting the film, I'd get, we'd both would get so many questions like, what happened to her? I was like, she's just I was just wondering a, the same thing. Okay, but she's just a 40-year-old in New York. That's what happened to well, her. Well, she like, does get assaulted well, in the course she, of the she movie. She gets assaulted in the movie, but that's in the course of the movie. Like, yeah. that's not some heavy baggage she's been, you know, carrying around that keeps her intimidated from dating in New York. I just think she's, she, it's just, it's really hard out there. And then when those two meet, you realize there's a lid for every pot. Yes. You know, they're just yeah. well-matched and they're they're just misfits. Like Michael so. Scott and Holly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said something in an interview that was, that uh, it was odd if I heard it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that, and sometimes in a movie, they want a photo of the character, a young photo yes. of the character, and they ask you if you have any young photos. Oh, yes. And you don't like to, you lie and say all your photos <laughs> are gone. Thanks for, thanks for outing me. <laughs> yes. I get an email from a, you know, a very eager person part of set decoration that they're you know we'd love to have pictures for the set decoration if there's any pictures that you can send us and I say oh they're all in storage (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I don't want to get because I I gave an old picture of myself for a Larry David thing that we did for clear history oh yeah I mean, it's like me from Queens with hair. It doesn't match the character I'm playing now. And then, although in the devil, before the devil knows you're dead, they asked for a picture. And my, one of my oldest friends from high school, Erin Leary, who's now Erin Lopez, she loves movies and gets very excited by, by all of this entertainment world. And I put a picture of me and Erin 
at the beach with our arms around each other. <laughs> and it was one of those shots where they, they started on it <laughs> and then panned to the actor. I was like, oh my gosh. She was like, <laughs> the one time, like a, you know, a set decoration. Right, right. Photo, she, she was thrilled. So Aaron was in. Aaron is in before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, she is? Yeah. Okay. She's got a nice close up. How important was it? Uh, I guess the answer is very important at that age that Sidney Lumet, the great Sidney Lumet, says, You figure it out and left you to your own devices. Oh, my God. Uh, what it a was, confidence builder. It was, it was worth, you know, all the money in the world. Uh, to, ha- to have someone of that talent, that stature, give you the freedom and the confidence and, um, you know, to to do what I only have an inkling of. Like, right. I think I know how to do this thing. It's instinctual. I can't really put it into words. And he tells me, yes, you're right. How about that? And that, I feel like that was like meeting Sydney was a turning point. Like when I started as an actor, I was just psyched to be invited to any job. I would do anything. And um, then I, meeting people like Sydney, I was like, oh, but there's another way, you know, choosing good scripts and choosing good roles it makes a difference. Doesn't Eastwood work that way too? A little bit He's, quick. Yeah. Move it along. Was, when I when I met um Clint on set right before we were gonna shoot, that's the first time I met him. And the first thing he said out of his mouth was, You worked with Sydney? <laughs> and he had a grin. And I said, Yes. He goes, So you know how to work fast? I said, Yes, I do. He said, Great. Very good. And so that's, we did, we worked fast. You getting better at asking questions as time goes on? (laughs) (laughs) With Spielberg, with Eastwood, Tom Hanks? No, still not asking questions, still not asking. Oh my God, I want to ask. You know, I worked with Arthur Miller. Wow. This is what I I said to him every morning. He's like, how was your drive? (laughs) And then I would sit back and listen to him describe the color of the mountain and the sun coming through the clouds and... That was it. That's I didn't funny. ask him about his plays. I didn't ask him about Marilyn. I didn't. I was like, I can read those in, you know, biographies, sure. biographies. But sure. hearing him describe his his drive through the Berkshire Mountains, um, maybe maybe that's unusual. What was it like sitting listening to Arthur Miller? I tell you, he's a tall drink of water. He is a beautiful. He was handsome, like very sexy tall big man <laughs> so it's he's it's also like you know you're you just flustered to be in his presence but um honestly Gilbert, it's surreal i it's it's uh i so much so many moments that are like that i picture myself i'm still the this girl from queens trying to come to manhattan and it you know, maybe it was a wild dream, but you don't expect those wild dreams to, you know, come to fruition. So, um, Chris, you're still in touch with that. That's so refreshing. Oh yeah, listen, I'm very starstruck at this moment. <laughs> I'm not taking this. I'm not taking this lightly. Spielberg, Schmielberg. <laughs> How about that, Gil? <laughs> I've heard you say when you meet these people, too, you try to, to, to remind yourself, meet the person, not the personality. I, a friend gave me that advice Good once. Good advice. And, and I think, I, I do, I do try to uh, keep that in mind. And I, and I try to, I try to, sometimes I get recognized on the street for the office, and I try to give that back to people because I know that maybe they're feeling 
a little nervous. So I right away I say, oh, tell me your name. You know, I, I right. try to be somewhat friendly and move on, you know, but... Um, but uh, That's nice because it, it's important to them. Yeah. Yeah. That that encounter, the celebrity encounter, is important. Somebody said that in a previous podcast. I'm trying to remember. Remember, it's their, it's their, it's it's your 300th time, of but, of signing that autograph. Or it was Henry Winkler. Yeah. Gave that advice. Wasn't Henry Winkler gave that advice to? It sounds like a Henry is, Winkler. Yeah, gave that advice to Jeffrey Tambor. Remember meeting fans. Remember, it's your 3,000th time, but it's their yeah. first. He so is Henry them. Winkler. The nicest man in show he business. He may be. <laughs> Next to Gilbert. <laughs> yes, we had him. He was on one of our early shows. He's a doll of a guy. Wait, Winkler is bordering on Mooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't just say hello. He goes up to you and goes, you are the most wonderful person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> he's the real deal henry yeah. yeah yeah i think alan alda and henry winkler may be the two I, nicest people that i've met he's in the so business. spectacular on barry he is i i love him on he's that great show. you you really you, you know that's part of why we we did decided to do this show there's an actor late in life he's known for this things following him around his whole life fonzie right. yeah. you know and then you get to see him in arrested development and then you get to see him on Barry, and you realize, like you say, Gilbert, the older actors are just as good as they ever were. You see the guy's range come out. Yeah. These things he can do. Because it didn't it, know. We used to have shows like uh, Love Boat and oh, Fantasy Love, Love Island. Boat. And oh. th- these people would <laughs> pop up either where you didn't know them or you thought they were dead years ago. <laughs> That's right. And then you go, wow, they're really good. Yeah. I, I love boat and Fantasy Island. That's that was my whatever night that was on. That was my lineup. As Fantasy Island. Oh, I love those shows. You know, you, Gilbert's going to have to do his his tattoo impression impersonation. <laughs> <for you>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so eager. I stumbled over the word. Yes. Yeah. I I oh oh I could do a tattoo in <laughs> scent of a woman. Ruby <laughs> Villachez in scent of a woman. <laughs> Your name, Daphne. I know that because you're wearing Chanel number no. five and you have a southern accent. Then <laughs> <laughs> you can get bread outside New York the day like this. It's too alkaline. <laughs> Amy is doubled too over. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone do Irving oh Village? Oh, my God. I have now. <laughs> no need to see any more after that one. That was amazing. What play were you doing with Arthur Miller? Um, a play of his called The Ride Down Mount Morgan. Now, do you remember any lines? From the Arthur Miller play. Don't make her do Irving Villachez. No. <laughs> I actually don't. Should I pretend I do? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> tell, tell us about what... I was driving down <laughs> Mount Morgan with her <laughs> in the backseat. Sorry. Is stand-up something you'd ever attempt to do, by the way? <laughs> You do have great not comic on, timing. Not on your life. Not on my life, huh? <laughs> not on my life. No, I, I couldn't imagine that. So, you know, uh, 
Um, my my husband um, was working on Night of Too Many Stars. Uh huh. Gilbert did that show. Okay, so yeah, so um, so you know, so there's the phone bank, and uh, you know, to call sure. in and um, Robert Smigel's show. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, so anyway, um, he. Um, I got so distracted by this chair. I don't know why. <laughs> the producer it's just a chair. chair. <laughs> it's just a chair and there's nobody in it. I'm just trying to be very quiet. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so Night of Too Many Stars and um, Sully Sullenberger, the pilot yeah. who landed the plane in the Hudson, was on the phone bank. And he was in between the calls. There was a bunch of other comedian friends of Eric's and... Um, Andy Blitz, I believe it was, and Sully had said, "So, so let me get this straight. Like, you, you do stand up and you write your own material and you just go up there with like no script." And he said, "Yeah." He said, and Sully said, "Oh, I couldn't imagine doing that. I wouldn't have the guts." Wow. <laughs> How about that, Joe? <laughs> now, now I. Uh, anyway, that that to me, like, not that I want to fly a plane on the hut, you know, land sure. a plane on the Hudson either, but. Uh, I feel that way about stand-up. There's no way. I admire it. I don't know how it, it's done, um, but uh, it's not for me. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. Tell us about two comic, uh, in addition to, you're working with your third comic genius today in Gilbert, but how about that, Gil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Albert Brooks and Larry David. Oh my gosh, Albert Brooks. Uh, I I um, was in his film Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World, and I was brought out to Los Angeles. I, I guess it was maybe for like the last audition. I put myself on tape here in New York, and then I went out and met him. And there was only just a scene that he wouldn't give me the whole script. And in his office, he said, I'm really sorry I can't let you read the script because if I if it gets out there, it's going to end up on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'll read you the scene that precedes the scene that you auditioned with. I said, oh, that's great. So he comes out and he he read the scene and it was funny and I started laughing. And he's like, you like that? It's good? I said, it's very funny. Okay, let me read you another one. And he read another scene. And another. He ended up reading the entire script for me. Wow. <laughs> As I, you sat, sat there. I sat on the couch in his office and he stood. And it was amazing. <laughs> like it was this it was a one man show of Albert Brooks. Um Wow. He is he is a funny man. It's a fun film. You had a yeah, small part. I had yeah, I but did. But it's a fun yeah. film. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. But um yeah. I love that part when he walks by the Taj Mahal, and he's too busy, like, so he complaining misses he misses <laughs> Taj yeah. Mahal. Yeah. See, Larry David, I called yesterday because, uh, yeah, I knew you worked with him, and I was hoping... He doesn't remember me. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping he'd remember you, and I was hoping oh, there'd be some story where he tried to have sex with you. Oh, God. Unfortunately. <laughs> For fortunately. Yeah, that... <laughs> I was, I was hoping that'd be a story like, uh, you know this, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Ryan, <laughs> Amy Ryan, she's, uh, you know, on television. So, uh, <laughs> and I, but unfortunately. No story there, yeah. 
Sorry, uh, I dropped my questions. Well, I had questions for Amy from listeners, and the paper the paper fell in the hole. I'd say it's like the dating game. We're gonna take a slight break <laughs> because Frank's question <laughs> fell, fell in the, in the hole. hole. <laughs> David movie's funny too. Clear yeah. history. Yeah, clear history. He had a small part, but it's funny. He um <laughs> It's like a long bizarre curve yes. episode. Yeah, it is, right? And it just dawned on me if I'm related to Bernie Sanders, I must be related to Larry David. Oh yeah. We found out before we turned the mics on that that uh, that Amy had done her her family tree, mm-hmm. her genealogy, and found out she was distantly related to Bernie Sanders. Which is bizarre. So so yeah, so so then you're related to Larry Davis, <laughs> and he doesn't remember me by extension. <laughs> I got a couple of questions here from listeners. Okay, we call this grill the guest. Um, Sean Patrick Little, I love Amy, and I just want to know how the hell to pronounce her real surname. Uh, that would be Jivinkowski. How do you say it? Jivinkowski. Jivinkowski. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just like it's spelled. Just like it's spelled. (laughs) (laughs) And what made you change that? (laughs) It's already an Amy Jivinkowski in SAG. Here's one. Uh, Was it Gilbert's uh, dulcet tones that first drew you to your wonderful impression or his raw sexuality? Both. (laughs) That was Michael Barrows. Michael, you should know better. Of course it was both. Here's an office question. Molly Kessler, did you keep anything from the set of The Office? Any keepsake? I have a Dundee Award. You do? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Let's talk quickly about The Office because our, our listeners would be, uh, would be upset. Uh, you got the part because you were in The Wire. Essentially, I believe so. That uh, Paul Lieberstein, who I actually Toby, I knew Toby a long time ago from a sitcom called The Naked Truth that starred Taya Leone. Uh, Yes, he was one of the writers, and I was on it for a a season or two. And then years later, we he we lost touch, but he was a fan of The Wire, and then was writing for The Office and then I believe that's how I came part of the office. And you had worked with Steve as well, briefly. Very, so briefly, it's right. hard to really say. Dan, it was and a, Dan yeah, in real Dan life. In real life. Yeah. Right? That's where I first met him. What tremendous chemistry you guys wound up having. Yeah, I, know I, there's luck I really involved. care for that guy. He's, he's, um, he's such salt of the earth, just great actor. And My wife and I watch the show over and over again, and we think it's only 15 years old, but the things that you probably can't do 
as easily now oh, yeah. that you were doing on that show. I mean, it's really an edgy show. Yeah, well, first of all, everybody in the office dates everybody else. Yeah, there's, Does that there's happen? That. Yeah. But I mean, even the thing where you're first introduced around and Dwight is pranking you and tells you that Kevin is slow in the brain. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And the wonderful scene with the vending machine. That's right. All it, of that would... Uh... Really... You might be written up about. Even in 15 <laughs> years, look how comedy has changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was asking a friend of mine the other day who's a stand-up, and I, and he, he was writing. He writes on a show, and he's he's in his mid-40s, and he was saying there's so much that you just can't. So much is off uh, topic, not off topic. Um, off limits. Off limits, thank you. And I said, well, do you have you changed your thinking, or are you just keeping quiet about it? Like, are you afraid to get in trouble? But he said, like, a lot of the 20-year-old writers in there are just like, you you can't make jokes about, like, mentally handicapped people, or you can't make jokes about women, or you can't make jokes about dogs, or, you know. So, and he said, probably maybe half of it, I'm thinking, yeah, I guess that was messed up. I shouldn't have done that. But the rest, he goes, no, I'm just keeping quiet about it. It's interesting, because it's a show that was created before Me Too. Yeah, and there's a you know there's a, Michael sure. Michael is you know in many ways a harmless character, but he's he's incredibly sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lascivious. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just comedy on that show. You guys know what I'm talking about. That would be difficult, probably more difficult. And of course, there's always talk of a reboot. Yeah, you know. Well, unless you know, and then it becomes a period piece. Like this is how we used to behave back then. Right. You know. Right. Do you find Gil in your comedy? things that bits that you could do 15 years ago that that never got there was never an objection to them but now yeah but but because the climate has changed yeah you feel yourself going into something that you feel like well wait a minute i just did this last week it killed and now like people will start to get nervous you feel a tension in the room i wonder if that's cyclical i wonder if it'll bounce back eventually you know um I, th- I tend to think everything is cyclical, I but hope so. um, yeah. But I, I, and then I wonder too is like part of the nerves because people are recording everything now. Like you know, it's like some that clubs they lock scary. your phone up, but like you know, um, you know. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's that's that's your world. Are <laughs> yeah. like, people yeah, taping like, you? Are people pulling their uh, phones yeah, out? Yeah, that they are. I I always Tech, see in the tape. audience there'll be like a white light. Well, go on. I always hate that. And um, now it's like it used to be. It's a club. It's supposed to be wild and wrong. What's going on now? It's taken out of the club and broadcast. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh no, we're too moral for yeah. that. Can you get those um, little pouches they, that they put phones? Yeah, in? Yeah, I think more and more they'll have to do that. There are certain comics that are making that mandatory now. Yeah, that phones get collected. Mm-hmm. And because they don't want, you know, whatever they don't want a bit out there either. Yeah. You know, or if they or if they step over the line, does your husband miss any part of that? I know he's writing now. He wrote. Yeah, he wrote for no, an I HBO. think he... you guys did an HBO show together. Oh yeah, high, high, maintenance. high maintenance. Yeah. Um, does he miss performing? Does he I miss think he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he. I mean, if, it was years ago, but he, you know, he and Leo got together to do kind of a like a charity event and. But I remember they were they were they were writing something and had n- nothing, and they had to walk out the door because the show was starting in an hour. And and I I was so scared for him. I was like, "What are you going to do?" He's like, "I have no idea." He was just head in hand, like <laughs> in agony. 
And I was like, you're really going to go out on stage with nothing? He's like, yeah. And he came home late that night. I was like, how'd it go? He's like, we killed. That's I'm great. like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, how That's does great. that happen where you... You really don't know. Like, and that they can know. pick it up again, too, after, yeah, they're, after well, not performing yeah. as a team for so long. Yeah, I, I Leo's definitely, that's Eric's first wife. You know, that's the longest relationship he's been in. I'm second uh, That's funny. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if I said it on the sh- on yeah. mic or off mic before, but The Falconer is a sketch that they wrote for SNL, which I, which I yeah. love. Yeah. Funny guys. Yeah. Couple of other quick questions from uh, from listeners, and then I got a question for you about Gilbert that you're gonna love. <laughs> <laughs> Chance Pryor, also an Office fan. Why was Holly and Amy not in the Office finale? <laughs> well, obviously, because you had moved to Colorado. Oh yes. Why? Um, I I thought there wasn't. I, I believe they didn't need me there. I thought it was for the uh, the cast regulars, and um, and I lived in New York at the time, and I had a small child, and going out there to be in a quick scene seemed... I, I felt like they were writing it as a favor to me, and I was like, oh. it's okay, like, you, you know, you guys can... You, you know, the original band can be together. <laughs> it was nice when, when Carell came back. Yeah. For that for that last episode. Yeah. There's the show sweet, is him. There's yeah, a sweetness you know. to it. Yeah. Two two moments and then I want to move on to the Gilbert question that he's gonna love. <laughs> <laughs> two moments for, for me on that show for 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 your character. One is the one where Michael gets lost and you know somehow know instinctively that he's on the rooftop <laughs> and you go and find him. It's a really beautiful moment. And the other one is when he's being abusive to you for Jan's sake. And then he holds the baby and doesn't feel anything. This is a very romantic moment. <laughs> oh, my and, gosh. And he comes into the office. Do you remember this? I, I really don't, to be honest. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, great, it's great television. Uh, you, you know, my daughter just started watching The Office. So How old's uh, your daughter now? She's 10. Oh, okay. So, which is weird because a lot of these, as you say earlier, like these inappropriate jokes are going over her head, but, yeah. which is good. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I'll, I'll catch up that scene. See, look for that scene. Okay. You'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's re- it's it's really because it's a it's a show that is also very sentimental for, I, for all the edgy comedy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, I mean, well, they, I, beautiful. I I feel like I never had luck on a traditional like four camera sitcom. Mm-hmm. Like la- landing the rhythm of that kind of comedy wasn't easy for me. And then I remember when I saw the the English version of The Office, I thought, well, maybe I could do that. That's more character based. Like these these people are pretty, <laughs> you know. They, they seem they seem very serious to me, and the situations they were in. So yeah, but I, it'll it'll stop and break your heart on a dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the question about Gilbert because it keeps <laughs> coming up. As an actor, do you think are you of the opinion that he could play a dramatic role? Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> well, now I've got an erection. <laughs> Uh, listen, Paul Thomas Anderson, get him direct you in something. Oh. He could do anything. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Gil? What do you see yourself playing? We don't have to go as far as 
Shakespeare or Arthur Miller, you know. Uh, what what was the thing that um, that what what's his name uh, Frazier did on stage? Was he King Lear? <laughs> Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to do the definitive King Lear. And and I don't I, know any lines from it. What what I what I want you to do right now? <laughs> yes. Sir. And I'm going to say you agree to it. Whether, <laughs> okay. I want you as Gilbert Gottfried, and I know you don't know the words, but I know the words, so I will say them to you. And so this will be Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. I'm Amy Rylance. Amy Amy Ryan as Shylock in Merchant of Venice. Okay, here I'll come over. I'll whisper. You I'll have. Whisper <laughs> You're gonna whisper the bard's sweet okay. words in my ear. Okay, I'm gonna whisper now, <laughs> as only I can. Do you still have your erection? <laughs> and I'm standing from ten feet away. Yes, you are, Gilbert. Knew. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you're Shylock. <laughs> okay. He mocked my lozenge. This is you whispering? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a stage voice. A stage whisper. Yeah. Stage whisper. Okay, what? He mocked my losses and thwarted my gains. He mocked my losses and thwarted my gains. <laughs> and... And why? And why? <laughs> For I am a Jew? For I am a Jew? Hath not a Jew eyes? <laughs> Poor Amy. <laughs> Hath not I... Hath I not Jew eyes? Hath not a Jew eyes? Oh, hath not a Jew yeah, eyes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh. Lord. <clears throat> One more time, please. Yes. <laughs> Hath not a Jew eyes? I like how you do that, I am a contaminator. Hath not a Jew eyes? <laughs> Dimensions, emotions? Dimensions, emotions? If you prick us, do if, we... <laughs> if you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us... If you tickle... He doesn't say tickle. Yes! <laughs> yes! Do if you tickle us... Do we not laugh? Do we not laugh? <laughs> Are we not warmed and cooled by the same summer and winter? I literally can't breathe. <laughs> He's found his role, Dara. Oh, this my is it. God. <laughs> we don't need Paul Thomas Anderson. No, you don't need I Paul Thomas Anderson. I can coach him on this. This is fine. <laughs> Shylock. Hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, I just want to talk about Gone Baby Gone again. What? Did, <laughs> how, how did your folks feel about you getting nominated for an Academy Award? And how? And what was it like to go? Oh my God! They were, they were. Oh, they were, they were so proud, um, and um, they got to come along. 
Oh, you took your and, folks. Yeah, and oh. and and Eric, my husband, <laughs> who, I, who I was only dating for about eight months at that time, but I was like, you know, <laughs> do you, do you want to come with me? But listen, if our relationship isn't gonna like go further than this i really don't want to look back on this event in 10 years and wonder who's that like bald guy i'm sitting next to <laughs> so, <laughs> to which he said i wasn't losing my hair then <laughs> but but um anyway but eric joined and uh, my parents but my dad my dad <laughs> was getting really wrapped up with the like the competitive part of it all interesting and started to have opinions on you know who was better than who and I was like, oh, dad. He was getting really upset that Ruby D was gonna win. He didn't think she deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was also like early stage dementia, and I thought, oh my god, is he gonna say something? Is he gonna shout if when they don't call my name? What do I do? And so I told him before the show, I said, Dad, I just want you to know, I know I'm not winning. And he said, What? I said, They they tell you in advance and I it's not it's not going to be me um it'll be Ruby and I said because she's the oldest and the most experienced body of work it'll over. be Tilda because she's the most creative and mm -hmm. takes the biggest risks it'll mm -hmm. be Kate because she's the biggest she's a, you know talented but she's the biggest Hollywood Kate star Blanchett. yeah and and he's like oh okay okay so that <laughs> So maybe I jinxed myself. <laughs> <laughs> you won everything. It came true. You won the L.A. Film Critics um, Award, New York Film Critics Award, Award Boston Society of Film. You won, I think, I counted like 25 awards. They don't send you anything. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you you don't, don't get, get a certificate, no, a you plaque? you don't get a certificate a, or a plaque. No. Nothing. Not even a letter. No, not even a letter. Wow. No, but that's okay. And yet you're stuck with the Neil Simon firing letter. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <laughs> it keeps it keeps me on my toes. Instead of all it, the other stuff, we can you know become too complacent. Yeah, and you're also in. You can count on me. Another terrific, uh, terrific little movie. Oh, that's a great film. Yeah, Kenneth Lonergan's film. And and as Gilbert was alluding to, he did insult Matthew Broderick when we had him here. Oh, and and how did that go over? Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he was very nice. So he was very patient <laughs> about it. But I, I fucking hated, you hated. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think that character's an asshole. <laughs> he was very nice about it. And he's a nice person. He's a nice person. I don't know him too well, but just yeah. to say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, Philip, before I, I wrote this down too, Philip Seymour Hoffman's part in Happiness you know this movie? Todd Salanza's movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's another heartbreaking oh part. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, I'm forgetting the character that he plays in uh, in Boogie Nights. But that is that is some... Oh, yeah. and Chris Cooper is uh, in that, too, I think. In... In Happiness. Happiness. Is Chris Cooper in Happiness? I think so. He's definitely playing... Uh... You see, I got... Oh, he may... Maybe I have him confused with another actor. You think? Are you thinking of Dylan Baker? That the could be oh, the father. The, the father. The, uh, He's the father. Fa Child. Yeah. That's yes. Dylan Baker. Yes. Yeah. That's Dylan it. Baker. Chris Dylan Cooper Baker. did play. Thanks for the segue because Chris Cooper did play Amy's husband in Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman. With Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you're playing a real person like Marie in 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 Capote? Do you do research into the person? Do you feel like you have a responsibility to? A little. I mean that. That woman, um, 
wasn't, you know, there's no, actually there was one little clip of her walking down um, uh, Fifth Avenue with Truman Capote. I think he brought her to a premiere or something. And uh, she was just, you could, I thought this woman is wonderfully and rightfully so starstruck. And I thought that was kind of a, interesting yeah she was her like with she, capote by capote yeah, yeah but here her her neighbors were just murdered but she's also on top of that really excited to have truman capote in her house yeah and i just that little clip of her walking um down fifth avenue she's just a little like pep in her step and i read so, that capote made her some kind of arrangement i'll send you an article right? oh please there do. was an article in the new yorker do you know about this gilbert well, of course, that's that was the way that 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 the, the film was that Bennett Miller approached the film mm-hmm. was to was to not pull punches on Capote's uh, opportunism, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. naked opportunism, and how he kind of manipulated uh, uh, Perry. But I'll send you an article from the New Yorker that supposedly she was that he that Capote struck some kind of a deal or made some kind of an arrangement with. Oh, amazing! Uh, I'd love to see that with yeah. Marie, and I'm I'm forgetting. Uh, Chris Cooper's character's name, but I'll send it to you. It's fascinating. Yeah. And getting back to like the accents, it's like there are some actors, if they're doing an accent and or a character in a movie, if you go up to them at the lunch table and uh. they're playing an English character, you say, "Hey, uh, the lunch is good today," and they go, "Oh yes, it's it's quite wonderful." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. What about I, when a character drops their accent in the middle of a movie, like Kevin Costner in Robin Hood? Yeah, <laughs> they, it just stops. <laughs> it just stops. It just stops. Becomes goes from Brit to to, to Cal- yeah, Southern California. It seems like some halfway through the movie they go. I'm tired of this. I don't think it works. I, I did that in The Wire, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I started like in real earnestness trying to do a Baltimore accent in the first couple of episodes. I was getting that like whoa and down the ocean, and then and then I I just got a little lazy. I that was, was like, it. That was it. I did it for like three episodes, and that was it. <laughs> when Jack Jack Warden was in Problem Child, and yeah. he said, watching the movie, he said. In some scenes, I'm Southern. (laughs) (laughs) Is your ear now sufficiently trained that you can watch a movie and say, that accent's way the hell off? Uh, Or is it only if it's one you've done? You mean for myself or watching any movie? Yeah, watching a movie Um, and saying, I'm I'm not buying it. Yeah, there's a lot that I don't buy. I think Southern accents are the most abused. Like people usually just do a generic Southern drawl, and um, I have enough Southern friends who like who rail against that, you know, injustice. Right, right, um, right. But uh, I, I, I think that one, and I, and I feel like English actors, um, you know, they go they go to like a generic Southern sound or an american hard r thing it does impress me how easily american uh, british actors slide into american accents though they well i i wish we had more of their television here growing up and australian television and because uh, i feel like all our shows were uh over there first um i think that would, i mean for myself i'm saying like yeah so I sometimes when i'll hear 
an English actor do an American accent, and I don't know the actor's English, I'll go, I, he's got some kind of speech defect. <laughs> you know, it's like something, something there. Something's not there. there. But, yeah, the, but yeah. then when it's real, like Idris Elba on The Wire, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was from England. I'd, I'd watched the first series before I joined in the second season, and then when I met him on set, I mean, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, what are you talking about? This is like English, you know. Because I saw him in the He's, office before I ever saw him on The Wire. Oh, so I didn't. Say. Yeah. So he was using his own yeah. accent. On yeah, the yeah. yeah. Have you been asked, you've uh, been in a million films, Gilbert, have you been asked to do an accent or a dialect? Uh, yeah. And I did it as convincingly <laughs> as the other actors. Which what? one? In what that was movie. That? I was in a movie called Bad Medicine. Oh, that's the where yeah. I was a South American, <laughs> what? and and <laughs> in one part, I have to tell uh, Steve Gutenberg, old shoes must be black because he has to wear black shoes, and I have to say in a Spanish accent, and I watched it, and I and and it actually comes out as old Jews must be black. <laughs> <laughs> We can rent this and see this. Yes. Yeah. Old Jews must be black. What was your character's name in that movie? Like oh, Hector Santiago? To- oh, Tony Sandoval. So Tony Sandoval. Yes. Yeah. Isn't Hollywood <laughs> crazy? <laughs> but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be cast. Like, you know, you wouldn't get that. that. You like, know you, something? That's you can't take that's that part. Right, now. you can't take that part now. She's when, right. When I watch movies and I thought, you know, the fun of movies was watching an actor be like Mexican in one movie, Asian in another, and French in another. And it's like, to me, that was part of the whole surreal. Like Peter Sellers. Yes, yes. play all those different Peter types. Sellers couldn't do that nowadays. He wouldn't be allowed. No, no, no. But I suppose it wasn't much fun for the Mexican actor at home watching that movie or the Asian right. actor. I mean, like, oh, yeah. let me get a turn. Or, 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 Charlton Heston, yeah. uh, the Mexican oh actor God. watching Charlton Heston play oh, a Mexican yes. in Touch of Evil. My my favorite Mexican accent was, uh, I think it was a Mr. Moto film. So you got Peter Laurie as uh, Chinese. Yeah. And he's, he's interrogating... Uh, a Mexican antique owner, uh, played by by John Carradine, and to hear John Carradine as a Mexican oh, is I just those too days. good. Before we wrap, this is my favorite headline that I found while doing research. Uh, head, headline writers crack me up. This was in Reuters. It was an article about you, and the headline was: Amy Ryan is much more than a drug addicted mom. <laughs> I'll send you that one too. Please. <laughs> Tell us about Lost Girls and Worth, which are two projects that are um, that, that you're coming. We both are very heavy. Both very heavy. I'm. I would love to find a comedy after these two films, which I had a great time making. But, um, but as you say, they're both very heavy. Lost Girls is um, on Netflix um, in March, and it's about the true story of the Gilgo Beach murders that mm-hmm. happened out by Jones Beach uh, 10 years ago. And um, it centers on this woman, Marie Gilbert, who I play. Um, 
whose daughter had gone missing. And when she went to the police out in Suffolk County and got no help and was actually ignored and dismissed, she just kept getting louder and louder and um, demanded that an investigation keep happening. And then they f ended up finding Ted, 10 missing uh, sex workers. Um, and kind of unearthed a, a I remember the killer. story. Yeah, which it's, it's still unsolved. It's it's, uh, it's quite maddening. And Worth is about 9-11? Worth is a, about Michael Keaton and I right. play um, the commissioners um, who were in charge of the 9-11 Victim Fund Commission. Uh, so it's a very heavy topic. and um, But I was drawn to that film for the idea of people who actually were forward moving in those days after the attacks like and went back to work i know you famously went back to work after 9 oh, yeah. <laughs> nice nicely done <laughs> that, that could have gone the other way <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> um i you know Very funny, after Amy. i i remember a couple of days after 9/11 my friends and i we were I lived in the West Village at the time, and it was it was when like you know keep businesses going, and you know, and we were just sitting in jeans and t-shirt, you know, you know, let's go out dancing, let's go, let's go do it, and so we went up to Fourteenth Street and got out of a, uh, I don't know why we took a cab from the West Village, but anyway, we got out and we go to this club, and there's the red rope, and it's it's literally September fourteenth, maybe. Mm -hmm. And just as we get out, a limo door opens, Hugh Hefner gets out, Pamela Anderson, and then some other ladies, they all get in a formation, like a, someone's going to take their picture, and Pamela, they, they all have the same pose, and Pamela gets to stand next to Hugh, and they go in the club, and we go to follow, and the red rope clicks shut. Wow. <laughs> and we get all this at, like, you're not getting in this club. And I was like, that was amazing <laughs> that was an amazing sight and I'm like and what are they doing here in New York like three days after you know but then my yeah day, it, was the the roast. it was yeah. at the you happen to roast that I did the 9-11 joke that's right so I was trying to get in that club and I couldn't get through wow. the rope it was a strange strange time so I'm going to recommend, uh, as I, we always do to our listeners, we used to do those Thursday episodes where we recommend movies. Yes. We'll send this to you because we did a whole oh. short Thursday episode and about the devil, after knows, a while, the devil Knows oh, You're Dead. After a while, to show how hard I work on this show, <laughs> uh, Frank would say, do you have any movies to recommend? And I'd say, nah, can't think of <laughs> You made it to that. 29 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember one time you called me and said, do you have a movie? And I said, no, nothing. And he goes, what's on the background? And I said, I'm watching Earth versus the Flying Saucers. It's a very fun science fiction film. The special effects were done by Ray Harryhausen. And you said, well, uh, could you say that? <laughs> <laughs> you and say I think that? we did. But but we did a thirty minute episode all about before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, and I want to recommend Win Win with you and Giamatti and our and our friend Jeffrey Tambor and um, Beautiful Boy, another good movie yeah, that you and Carell really... made, which is a very different kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think I think people who were fans of Michael and Holly were very upset to see us in this. <laughs> I like, would heavy imagine drama. A, a very <laughs> can, very good. Can film. you do the Hamlet speech? <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> can you? <laughs> With Gilbert Gottfried as Hamlet. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> She's gonna kill her voice. <laughs> Come whisper again to me. <laughs> to be or not to be. <laughs> what is that laugh? It's like air going out of a balloon. <laughs> oh, give it to me one more time, please. <laughs> to be or, or not, not to be. <laughs> that, that is the, the question. question. <laughs> Whether... It's, it's nobler, nobler in, in the mind, mind to suffer the, the slings and arrows of outrageous, outrageous misfortune. <laughs> or to take or, arms. Or to take arms. <laughs> against the sea of against troubles. Against the sea of troubles. And by opposing and them. by opposing and them. <laughs> Will you guys do the gin game together? <laughs> Will you tour in a two in a in a two person? How about Mr. and Mrs. Bridge? You know that one? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wasn't that Paul Newman and Joanne, and, and Woodward? Joanne Woodward? Well, yeah, I think it's only a... right that it's next to Amy Ryan and Gilbert Godfrey. A, made a film natural follow-up. Will you let your daughter watch a Gilbert Gottfried movie since she's watching The Office? <laughs> <laughs> she's 10. I'm going to start her off with his she... comedy the way I was. Here's how your mother was raised. <laughs> you start with his stand-up. She must have watched Aladdin uh, as a child. Yes, you must have, yes. Uh, must Aladdin have was well. It was her second Broadway show, and then and then the movies. We, you know, so yeah. She, she... Well, I'm exhausted, and you must be. <laughs> did you Did you have fun coming and being silly with us? Oh yeah, it was amazing. Thank you. Well, okay. Has <laughs> Gilbert got? Don't make her work She'll again. Close the show. <laughs> Is that mic even working? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Poor Amy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. And this has been... And this has been... Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. And... And this has been Gilbert... I have a little too much, like... Like guttural sound. Too much phlegm? Too much guttural. Uh, this has been Gilbert's. What is it? Godfrey's. Godfrey's. <laughs> Amazing, Amazing colossal, colossal podcast. With my co host. With my co host, <laughs> Frank Santo Padre. <laughs> <laughs> That's harder than Jim Kowski. Yeah, it is. Frank Santro Padre. Close enough. <laughs> and we have been talking to. And we have been talking to. <laughs> is this going on your reel, Amy? <laughs> the lovely and talented. The lovely and talented. <laughs> 
And she took her sweater off at the beginning of the show. But I had a t-shirt on underneath. Yeah. your laugh when I go home. Yes. I'm yes. try. That's hard. Our, our, our guest, the lovely and talented Amy Wright. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. You are the sport of sports. <laughs> oh my God. One of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs>